a listener production. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. Join us each week as we break down one issue in global politics so that you can understand what's going on in the world right now and what is likely to happen in the future. Our host, Dr. Keith Souter, is one of Australia's leading commentators on global affairs and geopolitics. My name is Sasha Barbagat. I'm a journalist. This week, Keith, we are discussing a book by a man named Sir John Bagot-Glubb. I hope I've said that right. It's called The Fate of Empires and published back in 78. And we're also discussing its relevance today. So let's dive straight in. What's the book about? (laughs) Well, I came to the book by a rather circuitous route. So I teach on the Sydney campus of Boston University. And a documentary that's been doing the rounds of American universities is called The Fourth Horseman. It's available free of charge. You've got to look it up. Be careful because there's heaps of horror movies about the end of the world with The Mm -hmm. Four Horsemen. This movie was made by Ross Ashcroft. He, as a documentary maker, was horrified by the 2008 financial crash and was annoyed that so much attention just went to bankers. So the bankers were going to catch the blame for everything. He's certainly not a supporter of bankers. He's a bit on the left. But he was saying, look, there is a deeper system in which these bankers are embedded. So let's just look at this economic system. So I recommend the documentary. My students have been very kind in getting me to look at it. But it's heavy going. Mm. It looks at things like the fractional reserve banking system which helps to explain there's a huge level of debt that we have in the world. We're no longer using currencies backed by gold or anything. The people who are interviewed are well-known economists. One of my favourite examples is Gillian Tett. Dr Tett is now a senior person within the Financial Times, my favourite newspaper, published in London. So he's interviewed a number of economists and finance people trying to explain this current big picture of the economic system. So it really is, as I say, pretty dense, but well worth it if you can persist with it. Mm. Now, at the beginning of the documentary, to use the jargon, it's narrative art. (laughs) Beautiful. (laughs) He needed to look at how countries rise and fall. Clearly, this is a documentary foreshadowing the fall of the United States and the American financial empire. So he came across a book by General Sir John Glubb, who had served in the the British Army and then the Jordanian Army. And the book, The Fate of Empires, was a book that Glubb wrote in his retirement. So Glubb was one of these Englishmen who just fell in love with the Arab world. The most obvious one is Lawrence of Arabia, of Mm -hmm. course. So he served most of his career in what is now called Jordan. In 1956, as the Arab world was becoming more nationalistic, he was removed from the command of the Arab Legion in Jordan. He then returned to Britain and then for the last 30 years of his life wrote a huge number of books. Mm -hmm. And, of course, if you've lived in the Middle East, you're surrounded by the remnants of former empires, the Babylonians, the Persians, the Assyrians, etc. And so Sir John started to look at why empires rise and fall. And what are these factors? And so the movie picks up that narrative arc introduced by Sir John, suggesting that it lasts for about 250 years. Mm. And in that period, your empire goes through a number of changes. And so he breaks it down into a series of different ages. And then what we are then to do is to look at, well, where are we now Mm. in terms of the American era? That's what I want to (laughs) know. 
<laughs> Do you have an answer? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so, as you just said, Glub floats this idea that all empires last the same amount of time regardless of their form of governance, location, or the technologies of the time. What do you think of that assertion? Do you think it's legitimate? Well, it's certainly a fashionable trend to talk about the rise and fall of civilizations. I've often made reference to Paul Kennedy, an English historian now at Yale, who talks about the last 500 years of world history dominated by the Western world, the weird world as we call it, the Mm -hmm. Western educated, industrialised, rich and democratic. So he clearly sees this pattern in history. Countries start out as small trading countries. They develop overseas trade links. They get involved in foreign wars and they end up bankrupting themselves. In my book, I've added a footnote that you then end up as a tourist attraction. (laughs) Why else would you bother to visit the Netherlands today? But 300 years ago, the Netherlands was a superpower. So some historians do take on this sort of big picture and look at these cycles, which they think they can see in history. There's a highly controversial approach to history because increasingly historians as academics get to learn more and more about less and less until they know everything about nothing. (laughs) Um, Which is why a lot of people stop reading history books. Because yeah. they just find that the style of writing is, you know, as Jones said about Walker referring to Brown, it's just jargon. So occasionally you do end up with good historians like Paul Kennedy who wrote this bestseller talking about the rise and fall of the Western world and is America the next one to go down. Now, in the case of Sir John, I might just summarise what he thinks as the way in which an empire develops. So one is the age of pioneers. This is when you just suddenly begin... Somehow or other, for reasons that are unclear, people suddenly become aware that they've got a destiny beyond themselves and that they can go on to do good things. Then you have the age of conquest, which is when obviously they're going out invading other countries. Then you have the age of commerce, so you're looking at finance, etc., and getting rich. Then you have the age of affluence. So at that point, you know, things are really going well, heaps of money coming in. This enables the arts to flourish. That's the age of intellect. And then finally, the age of decadence. Uh Can I guess where we're at right (laughs) now? That's right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) What happens next? Well, you end up collapsing. Oh, okay. And then you're going to be replaced by somebody else. And of course, is that going to be China? Is it going to be India? Will it ultimately be Africa? So there is this cycle Mm -hmm. within history that some historians think they can detect. You've got other historians who will just simply say, look, history is just one damn thing after another. There's no pattern. There's no meaning to history that you just live the best you can, look out for yourself, and that's it. And then you die. Do you agree with that? No, I don't. I think that's a postmodernist approach, which I do encounter among some academics who just simply say life is meaningless, or it's up to you to give your life meaning, which is a whole French school of philosophy like Sartre, who would say, You're not ordained, not born with a particular pattern to follow. Forget religion. God is dead. There is a vacuum and you have to fill that vacuum. The problem is, as we can see in particularly Western society, a lot of people can't fill that vacuum very easily. So they turn to alcohol and drugs or antidepressants, a huge industry from the pharmaceutical industry saying that, you know, if you're feeling depressed, we've got a pill for you. So... They then try to give themselves meaning through these chemical stimulants or whatever. I don't accept that. I think there is some sort of grand narrative in history. Mm -hmm. And for that, it makes me a Christian 
or it could be a Marxist. Remember, Karl Marx said there is a grand narrative in history. Karl Marx was very critical of the hippies of his day who just said life is one damn thing after another. Uh, Karl Marx said, no, there's iron law of history and that you have these cycles that get repeated and ultimately you'll end up with creating a worker's paradise. Hasn't quite worked out. No. But Marx, Christians, Jews, Muslims would all say, no, there is a clear purpose of history. Different, mm. but there you can see a pattern. And so Sir John takes a slightly different approach, almost I think a Greek approach, this notion of cycles. You're just going around. You're not heading towards an endpoint of the Messiah arriving or the working class running society. Instead, your own society will last for 250 years and it'll collapse. And then there'll be the turn for somebody else to get underway. Very interesting. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. Thanks for your company this week as we discuss the book, The Fate of Empires. Now, Keith, we've touched on it a little bit just then in terms of how do we think this way of thinking promoted by Glubb applies in the modern world? Well, he died 40 years ago. The book was originally written half a century ago. So at that time, the United States was riding high. But he was sounding a note of warning that we were sliding into this age of decadence. And so the age of decadence, for example, just linking the United States today with classical Rome, which went into its own age of decadence and collapsed. In Rome, you could make a huge sum of money as a gladiator. So relying on the popularity of the market, etc. if you were a popular gladiator, you'd be, in our terms, a multimillionaire. Well, if you think about sport today, you can make a huge sum of money out of sport. A second similarity for this age of decadence, is cooking. In classical Roman times, Mm -hmm. chefs were very highly regarded. If you're a good chef, then you'd be very highly regarded. And, of course, you look at what goes on in today's world of television, etc. the focus is again on food. So it's the pleasures of the flesh. So the people who start this process, the age of pioneers, are people who, uh, in our language, live on the smell of an oily rag. They work hard put in incredible hours of work, etc. very focused, very frugal in their lifestyle and very determined to be successful. Generations down the track, you get the great-grandchildren coming along who are saying, we're not going to go through all of that. We're going to enjoy the wealth that we see around us. And they then let down the guard. Mm-hmm. And so that complacency then becomes a point of vulnerability and that's when you get swamped by people from Northern Europe and the Roman example, or perhaps the Chinese, to use today's contemporary American example. Yeah, well, I wanted to ask you then, if we're at the fall of this current empire, the American empire, who's next? Who's next in line? The movie itself, The Four Horsemen, is not explicit on that. It's just looking at why America is going to fail. But what is interesting, I think, is the speculation. Remember, the movie is well over a decade old. The book is several decades old. The implication is that China is just growing so rapidly. And we've looked at, for example, the speculation about the Thucydides trap, that the United States and China are now on this collision course and that a flashpoint like Taiwan will spill over and cause a war between the United States and China. Both sides are gearing up for that war. China doesn't want the war to happen at the moment because they've still got to get their defence forces sorted out, whereas America, presumably we'd be happy to have the war now, get it over and done with. So we see that sort of challenge that's there. And, of course, beyond 
China, you've got India waiting to become the next superpower after China. So you're almost getting your queue being formed. We've got the next 500 years sorted. We, we, exactly. We've got it all worked out. So I think the value of Sir John's book, which is available with difficulty on the, the internet, I think the family may well decide, look, because of this movie, the book is becoming so interesting now for a lot of people. Let's take it out of circulation and make it available mm-hmm. as a commercial publication. But it's well worth getting the book and just getting this big picture view of history because, unfortunately, we are so focused on immediate events. And this type of book, The Fate of Empires by Sir John Glubb, enables us to take a big picture view of what's going on in the world and try to make sense in terms of these mega trends that are taking place. So I think the book is well worth reading. I'm not necessarily endorsing all of its predictions, Mm -hmm. but I've got to say at the moment... Perhaps we are living in the age of decadence and they've got real problems ahead of us because we're just so focused on sport and cooking (laughs) and not the big issues of what's going on in terms of competition from other countries. Oh, well, if we are towards the end of the cycle of the empire, we haven't got long to wait till it's the decline, I guess. So uh, we'll wait and see what happens. Good. Thank you. Listener.